0: Good afternoon, Delaware Valley. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team since 2018. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us, info at tooltimeradio.com. And what we're going to start talking about is a new task force that was created by the Biden administration. And this is our first topic today. We're also going to chat about what happens when you don't put your home on the MLS and August mindset for a lot of the realtors out there and, and just people in general that, that run businesses because I, mean, it's, uh, I think it's something that's really relevant here. So the new task force, Stacey, mm-hmm. uh, it's the Property Appraisal and Valuation Equity Tax Force, and Susan Rice is going to be the co-chair here, and uh, the what they are tasked with from the Biden administration, they have to deliver a, a report within six months to describe the extent, causes, and consequences of undervaluing properties according to a HUD, which is Housing and Urban Development Official, in a report with Housing Wire, the mortgage and real estate news source. We can get into the article here. What do you think about all this? What's your What's your first reaction?
1: Well, it's a another task force, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if they'll deliver the report in six months. Maybe it'll be a year, um, because you know how these um, government um, undertakings go. But
0: I think they could go back in time and be faster. <laughs> exactly. Keep going.
1: Um, but I thought it was interesting, um, especially as you dig deeper into, um, you know, the reason why they're spearheading this. Um, it, I guess they're, in, in r- most recent time, there's been a few, a handful of appraisal complaints. Um, prior to that, though, there hasn't been many uh, complaints of appraisal bias. So from 2019 to 2020, HUD received only 12 complaints of appraisal bias. Uh, That was reported by the Washington Post. So I'm not sure where, you know, all these complaints and the need and necessary need for this, you know, major task force um, to investigate these appraisal and valuation equity uh, discrepancies but uh, I'll be curious to see what's in the report and uh, how that pans out.
0: I, I, th- there, there's, two, there's two ways I look at this story, and it's a little different than, than what you might think, where if you look at Susan Rice, uh, she spent much of her career in foreign policy. She has made racial equity central to her domestic policy agenda. And days into her tenure as the uh, DPC chair, which is the Domestic Policy Council, which was formed and and by President Biden and chaired by her, um, she has really drawn a lot of attention to the racial home ownership gap. And I, I, you know, what this task force is being formed for, and what I'm clear would be the better use are, are two very different things. It, it, you know what I've seen here is that they, you know, that they're looking at uh, systemic racism and inequality and a lot of neighborhoods that. Where you know there, there's minority families living, they're being undervalued compared to others, and and that's I think that's the complaint here. From what I read from the report, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the real issue here. You know, I, I think there's there's a bigger issue to to with uh, the appraisal industry in general, like we've talked about. Right. Um, and they also have some complaints about the about the the makeup of the industry. You know, that they call the appraisal industry quote white and aging. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's not me. This is what they right, this is the what they said point. and. But what you said was was right on. That Housing Wire, there's little hard evidence here that these appraisals are a significant driver in wealth gaps between neighborhoods. There's not a lot of evidence to that. There's only been twelve complaints. Mm-hmm. You think about the number of home sales that happen <laughs> annually in the country. So just to give you, let me do some Google research here while we're on the while we're on the show. Number of home sales per year in the U.S. And what comes up is, uh, I mean, in, in 2019, there was 5.34 million homes that were sold. Um, so if they're only reporting 12 of those. Right. I mean, that that that's and there's always going to be complaints. I don't, I don't want to make right. light of this. Right. I just don't know that that's re- really the case with mm-hmm. appraisals, given the controls that are already in place with the federal government. Mm-hmm. So it, we've got all these resources being thrown at this issue. I mean, you know, so. Moving forward, I mean, what, do they think anything's going to come out of this report, or is there a better use of these these people's time, resources, and taxpayer money? To be to be very clear,
1: it's yeah, I, I can't figure out what would be um, their their problem solving solution here. Um, depending on what the report finds, what the report says, what is the end game? What is going to be the solution to this issue? Uh, like you said, I think there's probably. Areas that could uh, the money and the uh, energy could be better spent, Mm -hmm. Um, but this in this article it was kind of vague, especially on some of the um, the one in particular the one complaint that they talked about. There was an Oakland woman who filed a complaint with HUD, and she claimed that her home was appraised for more than four hundred thousand dollars less. Then it's appraised value six months later. So, but they didn't detail it. They it didn't Mm -hmm. go into any explanation. Uh, There was no context of this complaint. So, I would really like some more information, some more context to better understand what this is all about.
0: That that, that's a major issue, and you know, but the issue that she's talking about, I don't know that that's a racial inequality issue. Right. I'm clear it's an appraiser issue, and that's the problem here. Right. And, and what I mean by that is we've seen in the transactions that we've done, and we work all over Delaware County, all over Chester County, in the city of Philadelphia, and we're, we're a pretty diverse area just when you look at statistics. It's just an observation. Mm-hmm. The bigger issue here that I see is that there is not enough innovation in the appraisal industry. Mm-hmm. You can see wildly different appraisals, not even within four months or three months, Within days, if they get a a better appraiser in there, and exactly. I, one of the issues I see is that appraisers don't make enough money because mm-hmm. they they don't attract talent to the industry. Yet they play such a critical role in well, this mortgage isn't going to get approved, or mm-hmm. you know they're going to have to come up with more money, even though they were you know the buyer was approved for X or Y, or you know with with refinances. So you know my my view is that I like the idea of a task force around. Appraisers, because we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, a lot of times these guys come in there with, you know, that they're almost an agenda or, uh, you know, uh, an intention to undervalue properties because they don't have the data and they don't want to do the work. I would love to see the property appraisal and valuation equity task force look at innovating the industry as a whole. How do we attract talent? Because if you want to talk about jobs, these appraisers cannot do things on time. I mean, how many times have you had a sale? delayed because the appraiser was unresponsive or didn't get everything done in time and it jeopardized a lot of people's lives the seller the buyer who knows what other home people are buying afterwards Mm -hmm. this this is a common thing right
1: it's a common thing absolutely uh when it typically it should be a 48 hour turnaround Mm -hmm. once the appraisal appraiser comes out to the home and issues their report and it has been a week you know seven to ten days where we haven't um, received a report. So it can be a real, real problem. Um, the other issue also is that I had a an experience where an appraisal was done via desktop mm-hmm. from Dallas, Texas on a house that's situated in Southern Chester County. So I, I think that that's a, a pretty major issue there. If you're doing a desktop appraisal from a different state, um, that person doesn't know the true market in the local area. And uh, they're just pulling, you know, comps and, and other stats right off the computer. So that was a real problem for me because it did come in lower. So obviously that was not a racial issue. It was an appraiser issue. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and when you look at any sort of investment or any sort of large asset purchase, appraisers are so limited by by guidelines. They can use three homes within a certain amount of, of, of a radial search of the subject property within a certain amount of time. A lot of neighborhoods, especially in our marketplace, some of the best neighborhoods, homes don't sell for two, three, four years because people don't want to move. So mm-hmm. when this happens and you look at some of the neighborhoods like we're talking about, you know, I mean, there, there's a big difference between this street over here and let's say it's in, uh, let's take Lower Marion, for example, because there's so many different towns there. Mm-hmm. People will pay more for the Gladwin zip code than they will for the, you know, Narberth or Penn Valley zip code or the mm-hmm. Winwood zip code. So it, th- there's intricacies here that we know as agents. And if there's not anything that's sold, and let's say it's a, it's a home in Gladwin, but they're looking at properties that are in some of these other areas, mm-hmm. well, what's going to end up happening is they're not going to have an accurate valuation. Mm-hmm. Even in, in Philadelphia, if you're on the, you know, you're on the north or south side of Girard Avenue. I mean, that's a big deal for a lot of people. I mean, that's just how it is. And <laughs> you know, it, it's, and, and, but there's, there, there's places like this all over the country. This is not just isolated to Philadelphia. Right. You could say the same thing about Washington Avenue on, on, on the south side. And it used to be South Street. I mean, things have, have changed dramatically with some of the development going on in the city. And, and the point is that they can't make adjustments for that, but they can make adjustments for square footage but it's, Mm -hmm. you're not comparing the location. There is no location adjustment in these appraisals. And, you know, while I'm no doubt there's, there's probably some issue here that has to do with um, racial bias. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, I I don't want to make light of this because there's been studies done with realtors and, and things that have happened, Long Island exposed, for example. The bigger issue here to me is that the appraisal industry is broken because Mm -hmm. they will not innovate and they will not adjust and, that, to me, is what this task force should be focusing on, not another okay, here's what's going on because I, I don't I, I just don't I just don't see it happening. I mean, it, you twelve reported complaints out of five right. plus million sales. I mean that that that's that's the data here. and and sure, mm-hmm. you could look in and, and and go granular. And if there was a better system for appraisals, you wouldn't have this issue in the first place. It's not just mm-hmm. a racial issue. It's a problem with the appraisal industry that affects a ton of people. Mm-hmm.
1: That is true. Absolutely. So, I believe that the appraisal industry is ready for some shakeup,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> some disruption. So, who would be out there um, getting ready to disrupt the appraisal industry?
0: Well, I think that that's that's the thing is that they're you know you look at how people are getting disrupted right now and. There's got to, I mean, th- this might be where the government needs to step in because they really regulate this. They have, I mean, if you look at some of the, the rest of the story here, so the Appraisal Institute, the, uh, the the appraisal industry's primary trade organization, so the National Association of Realtors for Appraisers, they didn't acknowledge any racial bias, but in the last year, they recognized that there is some degree of unconscious valuation bias, which is exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. Yep. Um, and they went on to further say that. Uh, they need increased training on unconscious bias recruiting more now they said more minorities into the field i think they just need to recruit more people into the field period mm-hmm. and reviewing data on potential bias because as real we have to, we have to go through this all the time fair housing is something we're constantly getting trained on um so they haven't come out and said there's systemic racism within the industry I, I, they just they, they need better valuation uh systems i mean and, and they need to look at these look at these, these bias issues, because, you know, if it's not, they, and, and you're talking about Dallas appraisers on a desktop, or we can take it mm-hmm. even more granular where someone from the next county over, mm-hmm. let's say you're coming from Bucks County, going down to Delaware County, what's, well, that's a different world down there. Different. And that's because every market is super local. So the the only thing I see here is that if the government really wants to do something, mm-hmm. instead of focusing on this part of the problem, I think they need to fix the whole system. And, you know, this is, it's tough for a company to come in and say, we're going to disrupt the appraisal industry. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, and and this is where the best businesses are formed because if you solve a problem, then you have a business. So, you know, my, my my issue is with the industry as as a whole. I mean, you look at the Oakland woman complaining there. I don't, I I think it was just a bad appraisal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's the, that, that, that's the issue here. So, you know, what, what kind of, What kind of guidelines would you want to see to fix this problem? Because this is something that Mm. appraisers, they just can't do it right now. They're not allowed to. They get scored on every appraisal.
1: Yeah, um, that's interesting. I I definitely think that appraisers should be locally based and they should know that local market where they're working um, and where they've been commissioned to work. I think that is very important so that you do recognize those Mm -hmm. differences uh, with zip codes. Same thing out in uh, Chester County. People are willing to pay more for the Unionville Chads Ford zip code than the Kennett Square zip code. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is what it is. So I think that's really, really important that um, appraisers should be locally based uh, when, when they're out doing the appraisals in, in a, a particular area.
0: So that's one great innovation. Like, you know, you have a territory you can work, Mm -hmm. you get approved, or maybe you have to take a test to get approved in some of these other areas. Mm -hmm. Um, Lisa Rice, the CEO of the National Fair Housing Alliance, in this article, she came out and said that the appraisal industry has not received sufficient attention from federal regulators and that part of the problem is regulators have been in crisis management mode since the advent of the Mm -hmm. Great Recession and the Mm -hmm. foreclosure crisis. And a lot of communities haven't bounced back from that, which is true. I mean, I look at a neighborhood... Um, or an area like Upper Darby where finally we're seeing values go yes. up again but they were stagnant since yeah. 2008. I mean, it's and, like
1: Coatesville. They're finally going up. Yeah,
0: they're but I mean they're they were relaxed. very stagnant in yep. in a lot of ways and they've been but you you can't make you can't make someone pay more for a home. Like right. that that's the thing that a lot of people aren't getting. And she goes on to say that regulators have been focused on trying to address those challenges and making sure the marketplace is secure um, and you know, then, then there's talk of other drivers that also contribute to this. But the, the, the point is, I think they've been almost too regulated, like the mortgage in- industry has been. And now you're seeing the mortgage industry laid off a little bit the past four, five, six years after that crisis. Mm-hmm. The appraisal industry has to do the same. And I love your talk, uh, your, your idea of a local you know, basis or get approved for the county or area you want to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take it one step further and also put in an adjustment for time based on appreciation. Um, because I mean, if you find the home that sold, say your next door neighbor sold last year, and we know the market's up 10%, mm-hmm. give them the latitude to make that sort of adjustment. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that to me is it, because you're never going to find a better comparable sale than the one right next door. I mean, a lot of these, in, in some of these planned communities, are all the same house. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that that's where a lot of people look in, in some of these areas where the homes are maybe, you got a lot of homes built in the 1940s and there's some new construction down the street. They don't really value them the same. So I, I would like to see an adjustment for time based on market trends. And maybe the data has to be certified by some sort of national organization mm-hmm. um, where it's that, you know, they kind of like they when they count the votes after the election, mm-hmm. they certify the they data certify. points. Right. Some sort of certified data along with some sort of local focus. And I mean, to me, that that's going to fix the industry and. I mean, you know, obviously compensation and attracting talent is a big mm-hmm. problem right now because these folks that and it's, it's mostly men that that are in that are appraisers. Mm-hmm. Um they, they are they get way too many assignments. I mean, that they, they can't really handle it. Uh mm-hmm. to give some perspective, the number of appraisers in the US right now and let's see here there's um so this is as of the end of 2018
1: mm-hmm.
0: 78,000 which was a decrease of 5%. And wow. they've been decreasing consistently. So for some perspective, there's 1.55 million realtors in the country. Now, 40% of them haven't sold a home through June. So let's take, <laughs> let's do some math here, right? And then- I'll we'll,
1: leave that to you. <laughs>
0: well, that's, that's what we have calculators. So we take one let let's say 60% of them. So that's 930,000 sold a home, right? Okay. Um, and- you know, we know that the, the average per agent productivity is not that high versus what our team does, what you do, obviously. Let's say, you know, you have 930,000 agents that sold at least one property
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you only have 78,000 appraisers. Mm-hmm. So you take 930, That that's 12 transactions. If they all sold one, mm-hmm. that means the appraiser has to do 12 appraisals for every one sale. Mm-hmm. And we know that's not the number, right? so let's look at, again, so we got 5.34 million homes sold, and we've got 78,000 appraisers. Let's say like two-thirds of them have financing because about 65% of people have a mortgage. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll take the 5.34, multiply that by 0. 0.65. So that's 3,471,000 sales in a year. 3,471 divided by 78,000. Oh my gosh. They're doing Forty five appraisals. And that's right. I mean, again, and these aren't I'm sure the numbers are higher than that. Mm-hmm. The point is, they don't need more manpower. They need better compensation. It's going to be one of the two. Mm-hmm. So th- there, there are some problems here. So I think that's where the, you know, the trade organization needs to figure out how to get more people into their industry.
1: Yes, that's a good call. I really wish I have a friend who's an appraiser. And uh, he's local in Delaware County. I invited him to come join us, but he's so busy. Didn't he say he was too busy? Yeah. <laughs> he's so busy, but he's a younger guy. He's an African American. So I really wanted to hear his
0: take on this. Well, and, and I mean, unfortunately, I mean, the average age of an appraiser is, I mean, let's, let's go to Google again. Uh-oh. So, I mean, this is why you, you have Google, right? Yep. GTS. Um, we'll we'll censor that one out. Um, appraiser age. So the average age of industry appraisers is 40 plus years old. Now okay. it um, doesn't, doesn't really, let's see what we got here. So this is from, yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's very, if you look at the numbers here, it's 79% is 40, 79% of the industry is above 40. So, I mean, there's 5% are 20 to 30 years old and 15% are 30 to 40. So, oh my
1: gosh.
0: wow. I mean, you know, there you talk about disruption. I mean, you know, th- th- this is what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. kind of to wrap up the segment here, like the idea of a task force, its purpose is a little misguided based on the statistics. We want to see some sort of local expertise, some sort of certified data set. And the appraisal industry, I mean, they, they got to bring talent to their industry because... There,
1: it's going to have to happen soon because looking at those figures, the 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 majority are 40 plus. Now, we don't know. It, they, it could be 50 plus or 60 plus. What if they're, um, you know, headed for retirement soon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to have a mass exodus from the appraisal industry. So then what happens?
0: We'll leave that one for next time. (laughs) So on on that note, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a really interesting study done by Bright MLS, which is our local MLS that we're going to discuss about a way homeowners can make more money pretty easily when selling their home. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.
2: Buying a home or already own one, we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings.
0: Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. the real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610 692 6976 or visit our website tomtool.com to con- stand by. Advantage of these market conditions. It's my jam. <laughs> Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB. 860 a.m. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. Nick Wolf's streaming us live on Facebook and YouTube. Check us out there. It's Tom Tool Sales Group on Facebook and YouTube. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So uh and if you got a question for the show, email info at tooltimeradio.com. So this next piece of information we're going to share with you comes from the bright mls so if you don't know what the bright mls is it's the local mls that we use here in the greater philadelphia area to give you some better perspective it's one of the larger mls's in the country and that's the real-time database that realtors use to see what's active under contract and they're pretty heavily regulated so the area they cover because that's all going to be really relevant here. This isn't like some local thing where they looked at like one or two counties. The MSA for the uh, Bright MLS is the Philadelphia Market Service Area, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. It covers parts of New Jersey, parts of Virginia. So this is a pretty, I mean, you got major cities here. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's a large MLS to give some perspective. Here is what the study shows, and then I'll, I'll kick it to Stacey here and we can, we can go through this, is that, after they looked at 442,829 home sales over a two-year period, the study revealed that the median sale price for homes marketed through the MLS were 16.98% higher than off MLS sales. And it comes out to a $40,000 difference in terms of sellers' proceeds. So what that's do you think big. about all this
1: that's a big number forty thousand difference uh, just by your home being on the MLS that's a huge number and that's that is very monumental for sellers um, so I think it's really important to understand um, the benefit of being you know having your house listed on the MLS um, right website I think it's imperative.
0: Well, I, I, I agree with you for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, we, and we can get into the, the exposure that you get. Um, what I also wanted to, uh, you know, look at is that they, they so in, in the off MLS and office exclusives, and I think this is something any consumer who's thinking about selling, you've got to be mindful of this because some companies will come in and say, we're going to market it to our office first. Mm-hmm. We're going to go office exclusive. The only beneficiary there. Is to the office that's marketing it because Correct. they get first opportunity to go sell the property. Right. You're not getting a true market value. You can't control which buyers or the buyer who will pay you the most, who, the, who they're working with, and yeah, you know, and and they maybe they're not even out there looking and they're waiting for a home on your street to come onto the market. Which there's a lot of streets like that in Chester, Delaware, Montgomery counties along the main line in Philadelphia. So part of this study was that. Uh, they identified 115,760 homes. So 26% from 2019 through 2020 were sold off MLS. And there was 327,069, so 74% were on MLS. And there are companies out there that say, we're going to bring our people through or we're going to have a quiet listing so you don't get bothered. And, and I get that from mm-hmm. a not bothering perspective. What I know is you're leaving $40,000 on the table. That's that's, that's, that's at the mid-price points. You're right. leaving almost 17% on the table. So the companies that come in and say, we're going to do this first, if you're a consumer, ask them for the data that shows how it benefits you mm-hmm. and see what they come up with. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I wanted to find this a little further and then Stacey, I want I want to get your your, your take on this overall. So th- they went on further in this study and they said the biggest difference was in the mid-sized home. And there was an 18 percent, so actually got two uh, another percent more, 1.02 percent more for a mid-sized home. And they identify a mid-sized home as anywhere between 1,247 up to 2,150 square feet. Uh, and you know they, they said you even got a bigger bounce there. And the interesting thing I found is that these off- office exclusives, where they want to market to the people within their brokerage first, 63 mm-hmm. percent of them end up on the MLS. So it only mm-hmm. works... Yep. Maybe one third of the time. What What do you think about all this? You're a consumer out there. You're thinking about selling. How do you? How should? How should that person be interpreting this data?
1: Uh, the 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 big takeaway, the bottom line, the bottom number, um, the on average forty thousand dollars <laughs> that you p- potentially could be leaving on the table. So that's a big number, and it has to be considered. So when you are when the consumers are interviewing uh, agencies to represent the sale of the home, you really have to ask these questions and find out where are they marketing? Where is my listing going to appear? I think it's very, very important. Also, the time comparison findings I found interesting. Mm -hmm. Homes entered on the MLS from the start went under contract faster than properties that started as an office exclusive. Um, So on the MLS, it was an average of 11 days Compared to office exclusive listings that eventually ended up being promoted through the MLS, as you said, but it took a combined average of about 31 days to get a contract.
0: I think of the sellers here in that what it's like showing your property, Mm -hmm. possibly one of the worst parts of any real estate process. A lot of times agents don't have any pre-marketing that goes on. That's something that I'm a big believer in. There's a way to do that to ramp activity up. So it's maybe a painful five days instead of painful 11 or mm-hmm. painful 31. And, you know, having all these people come in and out of your home, there's a pandemic that's winding down, right? That, that That's mm-hmm. an issue we didn't even deal with before. Right. People coming into your house. hmm Having to keep keep the home unnaturally clean because nobody lives like that. Right. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, actually, right. there there are some people that do. It. I shouldn't say that, but the majority of people
1: live in their homes. They they <laughs>
0: live in their home and it's it's not ready for the market because right. it's going to look a little different. It's like when you have company come over, right? You, right. you clean up, you throw different. all the crap in the closet. That that's <laughs> kind of the the same thing. So, for those folks that want a better process, not only to have it be less stressful, mm-hmm. but also take less time and sell for more, right? It's a no the brand. data is clear here, and what what I what I find really interesting, and this was uh, the um, person who kind of headed up the survey for Bright. His name was. Uh, let me get to it here. So he was the where was it? Totally lost it. That's okay. So uh, the CEO of Bright, excuse me. So the CEO of Bright, Brian Donnellan. Uh, he's the president and CEO. Um, they went through, and it, it's to me, I don't even think there's like anything to talk about here. Like right. this is just so clear mm-hmm. that if your goal is to get as much money as you can, mm-hmm. if you try to sell for sale by owner, mm, right. Yeah. And you're wanting to save on costs. Like, yeah, your they costs are going to be lower.
1: Right.
0: You're leaving at least 10% on the table. If not more. Correct. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's just, that's use 10% as a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to take it one step further and you want to buy into the office exclusive, we're going to market it to our people first. Well, how many people are at that company versus how many realtors are in the, in the area? Are you getting to all the buyers? Is the exposure at its max? I don't, I don't even Mm -hmm. think there's much to talk about here. I mean, this is just a no brainer. Now, what I will say is that if you're someone that doesn't want to deal with the stress of putting your home on the market or you need the money really quickly, I mean, you're probably not going this, you might, you might work with an investor or something like that. There is a service for that. I don't want to say there's not. This to me is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's simple data. So, what should sellers be asking if they get presented with some of these options in, in these interviews? Because we know that everyone's fighting for listings right now; they're trying mm-hmm. to differentiate themselves. Mm-hmm. What should sellers be doing to show or to in, ensure they're not leaving their equity on the table mm-hmm. and leaving money on the table? Because that's a big challenge right now. I see people do it all the time if they don't market their property in the correct manner. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, people considering for sale by owner really need to investigate that further and um, think hard and long about. If you want to do a for sale by owner, uh, because you are, the majority of the time you are leaving money on the table. For sellers considering interviewing agencies, you definitely have to listen, find out about their marketing plan. What are they doing? Uh, where is your home going to appear? Are they doing the three step plan? <laughs> you know, putting the sign in the yard. Um, popping in on the MLS and waiting for a buyer to come? Or are mm-hmm. they going to actually reach out to buyers through other types of marketing, like social media marketing? Um, definitely on the MLS. So I think you really have to interview each agency and find out what is their marketing plan.
0: Well, I, I love that answer because, I mean, the, you know, the, the, there's a company out there. I mean, very specifically, they say, oh, we, we got this coming soon program and we're going to market it to our people first. And that's a great way to attract buyers, I get that. But it's, mm-hmm. it's such a disservice to the seller. I mean, this mm-hmm. data proves it.
2: Mm-hmm. And then two
0: right thirds here. of the time, it doesn't even work. I mean, if I fail two thirds of the time, wow. I'm getting fired, right? right? So I mean, that I mean, I think any of us are here. Nick included, right? So I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding. But uh, you, you get the point, I mean, that, that's a yeah. high failure rate. So it, it, when you say, what's your marketing plan? I mean, it's gotta be detailed and it's gotta be specific. And if you don't have a marketing plan as an agent, to me, that's where you got to connect with the right operation or the right organization that will. And if you're, you're kind of struggling for that or searching for that, or you don't know what to do and you want to get into the business, it's a great opportunity to talk about our real estate scholarship program where we are bringing people on, we're, ha- we're paying for their licenses and we're training them the right way. So you can be like Stacy and sell 48 homes in your first 12 months. So that's estate uh, realestatescholarshipprogram.com is the site. Back to the off MLS study. I mean, this is where and we've talked about this so many times that it's so easy to leave money on the table in a market like this, where there's low inventory and rates are low. And there's all these reasons that people are buying no matter what. If you don't take it to the market, I mean, you're just, that's a lot of money. I mean, it's a
1: lot of money, right?
0: That, that's, you know, that, that, that's about one half of the median income in our marketplace this, this, this year.
1: Mm-hmm. So if it's you want to take
0: of half of your income and just throw it out the window, go with an go. office exclusive or go <laughs> exactly. for sale by owner.
1: Right. And, uh, Good luck. Um, you know, the house will sell in this market eventually, mm-hmm. but you are going to be leaving money on the table. I mean, it's proven right here in the data, but back to the marketing plan, you'll want to see results too. ask for the companies, you know, where are the results? How, how are your sales and you know, what, what is your track record? I think that's important also.
0: Yes. And, and, you know, if, if there's no plan in place, I mean, Ben Franklin said, if you're not if if you don't have a plan, then you're preparing to fail or failure to prep is prepping to fail or, you know, proper preparation prevents poor performance. (laughs) We've heard all these things before. So if, you know, that's where, and there's also a big difference between a listing agent and someone that's working with buyers and is only working with buyers. It's a totally different Mm -hmm. process. So you've got to look at the resources they have behind them. Do they have professional photography? Do they have a marketing director that's Mm -hmm. going to be able to execute ads on a high level? Do they understand how to advertise and leverage social media? Are they using technology to get people to sign into their open houses so they can follow up with them instead of just letting them in and not collecting any information? Right. Are, do they have you know relationships or the right exposure with Zillow and Realtor and these other major mm-hmm. portals? There's all these questions you should be asking because if you don't ask those questions and the home sells and it sells fast, you probably feel pretty good. It, it's just you're going to leave money on the table. And I, you know, to me, this this Bright MLS study, everyone should be should be should be going over this right now and understanding these numbers because our job as agents and for all the consumers listening this is what you should be looking for in an agent don't you know, forget about using us just any agent you want to talk to your job as an agent is to guide people through the process you're not there to be the hero you're not there to save the day or, or, or beat the villain you're there to guide them through the process so they can have a great result whether it's selling a home because most people do this every 11 12 years now whether it's buying a home, you've got to get the right information. And the challenge for consumers is everyone talks about real estate like they're an expert.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And not a lot of people have this data and know what's actually going on. I mean, how, how many times do you run into that?
1: Oh, every day, almost <laughs> every day. That's for sure. Yeah, everybody knows real estate, but they don't know real estate. It's so, funny how how that is.
0: So how do you, how do you help consumers get there? Um, because some people, they're, they're, I mean, it's you know they're they're a little skeptical. They think all we want to do is sell another house. And mm-hmm. you know our one of our core values is service and 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 helping people. Uh, that's why why I got into the business. I know that's why why you got into the business as well, Stacy. So how how do you help them get there without you know coming off that I just want to sell you a house? Because that that's the reputation realtors have. And you know what we got to work with these people. So right. I get it. I understand why there's this (laughs) reputation, but I I also know there's another way to do this.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to build trust. And in doing that, um, you, you just want to bring all the information to the clients, all the information to the consumer, uh, right out in black and white. You, you want to educate them about the process. Uh, like you said, if it's 10 to 12 years since they're selling, you know, reintroduce them to how it works so that they are going to feel more comfortable. Go over the contracts. Um, it's If it's been a long time since they've seen the paperwork, go through it, each and every document, so that they have a real clear understanding, their questions are answered, um, and they feel comfortable and trust you that you know what you're doing. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm.
0: If you don't trust your agent, mm. it's time to find a new one. Yes. and. The best agents may not work well with you. You've got to find someone you believe in and you can trust. In uh, you can you can trust because these are major financial decisions. I mean, I look mm-hmm. at an agent the same way I look at my financial advisor. Mm-hmm. I call them and ask him what I should do. I don't call and I, and I tell them what my goals are, and then they give me guidance. Same thing with your accountant, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Here's what my goal is. What should I do? What do you think? What are the laws? Same thing with an attorney if you're trying to you know form a business or, or, or do something. So the challenge is a lot of realtors don't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And and that that's the difference between a good agent and a great agent. Because a good agent, they'll tell you sometimes what they think you want to hear so you'll hire them, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The great agent gives you all the news no matter what so you can make a really well-informed decision for your household and your family.
1: Right. So, There's a difference.
0: And, and and that's why this data is so important because it's the the agent's job to get this out there because if someone told me, "Hey, you do this one thing and you're going to make 40 grand," mhm. And you're already making this huge financial decision. I'm, I'm in. I, you I'm don't, in. I, I'm, that's all I need to hear. Not everyone's going to feel that way. So, uh, you know, to me, it, you got to you got to understand this data, know it, be able to communicate it as an agent. And if you're listening to this as a consumer, I mean, just ask for a copy of the study. This isn't coming from us. This is coming all from right. the Bright MLS. And there's uh, uh, Dr. Kevin Gillen, who's a senior research fellow at Lind- the Lindy Institute for Urban Innovation at Drexel, um, who... Provided a lot of this uh, here, and we've also got um, Dr. Eisenberg, who is uh, Elliot Eisenberg, who's a senior economist with uh, the National Association of Home Builders. So, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of experts looking at this stuff that aren't realtors. They came up with this study, not us. Mm-hmm. So, really important data to know: seventeen percent, maybe eighteen percent. It's a lot of money—forty grand wow. on the line. That's all you need to know if you're selling. So, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about realtors and the month of August and how to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Got it. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool sales group at REMAX at 610-692-6976 or visit our website tomtool.com to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. When you're getting a mortgage,
3: you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com.
0: Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit
2: tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Buying a home or already own one, we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last 20 seconds, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3. Five seconds, standby. Alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings
0: all right all right welcome back to tool time real estate radio on wwdb 860 a.m i'm tom tool she's stacy mitchell and again we work with the tom tool sales group at remax mainline the number one remax team in pennsylvania and delaware since 2018 you got a question for the show Email us info at tooltimeradio.com. So our last segment here, there are 21 days left in the month of August.
1: I can't believe that. Where did well, it go already? <laughs>
0: compared to last year, I'm happy that things are moving a little faster yeah. than than what we what we saw. So For sure. but time does move fast, and that's because you're rocking and rolling and busy and you're working on your mindset, mm-hmm. Stacey. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about here. Because We've really got 90 days until the end of the fiscal year in real estate. I mean, it, it's really 90 days because if you look at, you got September, October, November, past November 15th, yep. what's everyone doing? They're eating turkey.
1: Yep.
0: They're playing <laughs> football. Mm-hmm. They're buying presents. They're doing all, all <laughs> sorts of stuff. And, and to me, the fourth quarter is where you really see winners win at a high level. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that on the show here in the future. In the meantime... And this was inspired by Gary Vanerchuk, who did a video five years ago that's still as relevant as it is today. That you get a lot of people in the month of August, and I'm going to use his words, not mine. They're by the pool, they're mm-hmm. sipping margaritas, they're drinking rose, they're going to the beach, <laughs> hanging out at the Jersey Shore. Whatever they're doing, they've let their foot off the gas. And you've got to think about where you are in your business, if that's the right move for you or not. Because This time of year, it's really when you can take market share, you can make things happen, you can force the issue, and work on your master plan, Mm -hmm. just like the fourth quarter, because that's the other time of year when people always take their foot off the gas. Mm -hmm. You've probably seen at the off like the the uh, the the real estate office is always you know January third, everyone's in there, New Year, New Me, Let's Roll, and (laughs) I'm looking at them like I've been grinding since November, and really you know it's a a twelve month a year thing, and this isn't a new year because anything you, you sell in December is not going to close until January anyway. Maybe you squeeze one or two more in. So, you know, the 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 flip side of that is if you are happy with where you are and you, you're you way ahead of your goals, now's maybe a time to take a little bit of a reset before that last fourth quarter sprint because it's really like a 90-day sprint. Mm-hmm. And people don't always think that way. Um, and a lot of people say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tired right now or you know, it's human nature to mail it in uh, internally. And, you know, the reality is the competition and other realtors are also mailing it in this time of year. So, and we talked about this on our coaching call today with our, our coach, Jeff Mays with Tom Ferry. I talked about it with um, my, my, my own coach personally. I mean, this is something that's always on my mind this time of year. So what do you think about all this Stacy? Because last August was not like this last August mm-hmm. was very different because we were stuck in our houses for 60 days mm-hmm. and, a lot of people, a lot more than that. What's your take on this? You watch the video. You, I mean, you're on the coaching call. What should other agents be thinking about right now? And what are you doing personally? Because you have one of the most bulletproof mindsets I've seen. And every day I continue to get impressed. So I want to hear what you're doing at this point right now.
1: Well, I set, at the beginning of the year, I set some big goals for myself. So um, that being said, I know where I have to be and um, why I have to be there. So, and that's mindset. I go back to what is my inspiration? What is my motivation? And I keep that dream board right behind me every single day because that is what's driving me. So it is mindset. Um, And for me, the month of August is going to be a time to definitely put the pedal to the metal because I feel that... I could have an advantage in the marketplace at this point. If other agents are, you know, I look at their Instagrams and they're on vacation, they're enjoying themselves and and that's fine that if they're happy where they are at this point. Um, But for me, it's going to be a little different because I do have big goals and um, I'm just going to keep, you know, setting myself up for this next 90 day sprint. So that I can uh, achieve my goals. So that's really where my mindset is at this
0: point. Well, and the the reason you can say that is because you also track and measure your business. Totally. Unlike most agents who have no idea what is going on in their they don't know if they yeah. made more money this year than last year. True. They don't know how many homes they sold half the time. So you track and measure your business. You keep mm-hmm. track of it. You're relentless with it, which you know. Obviously, I'm a big believer in, and you know, we, we've you know, that's why we work well together because we we think alike. I'd also say for the consumer out there, consumers are giving up right now. They're saying, you know, I'm just going to mm-hmm. wait till next year. You already right. hear people talking about it. Yep. I, I This advice, this same advice, if you're trying to find a house in one of the more competitive markets that are out there, and there's some incredible things happening because you're going to see homes continue to appreciate. I would not be giving up right now. I'd mm-hmm. be actively looking. You know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be talking to my agent. Hey, I'm going on vacation this week. If a home comes up and I'm not here, mm-hmm. I need you to get your butt over to the house, FaceTime me and mm-hmm. I will be there and I'm ready to make an offer sight unseen because I know that's the kind of market that we're in and I'm ready to make that make that jump because most people aren't taking like a two week vacation. So and because you're now able to get inspection contingencies accepted again, mm-hmm. that's become a thing. Yes. I mean, and I'm I'm not saying it's, it's a one off. It's pretty common to see an inspection contingency now because that's happening. Mm -hmm. You still got the ability to control the house and get into the property. Mm -hmm. And if you're a seller, to me, now is the time to get your home on the market. So you're not dealing with all the forthcoming inventory that's going to be hitting September, October, November. So the same advice to me, not only with your, and and you're right on and you're spot on there, but consumers need to be thinking about it, especially buyers and sellers, because the people that get ahead of the market, Mm -hmm. whether it's the agent or the consumer, they're the ones that win. They're the ones that win every time. Right. People that are late to the party and they're trying to capture some of that magic, mm-hmm. they're always the one chasing the market down. And again, that goes for agents or for consumers. Are, are you seeing the same thing or uh, tell me more about that?
1: I'm definitely seeing the same thing. And it's interesting you brought that point up about if you're a consumer. <laughs> um, I Case study happened to me yesterday. Um, a buyer, very serious. She's going on vacation. She spe- specifically told me what week. And I have already done video tours for her when she was away, but we have already pre-planned that if anything comes up during that week she's away, I'm going to jump out there and do a video tour just like we did before. So see, that's that's both of us being mm-hmm. very aggressive. So I think it's going to be successful because I, I truly believe as soon as she goes away, her house is going to come on the market, <laughs> but she's ready to move. But yeah, for consumers, take advantage of this so-called "quote" downtime in August um, because you know a little less competition if other people are vacationing. So definitely don't don't you know take the take your foot off the gas. Just continue to move forward, especially buyers. Right now is a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, and, and sellers. I mean, I'd be meeting with agents now to yeah. get your home prepped because it's going to take a couple weeks to get it on Does. the market. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the challenge I see with a lot of sellers is they they call the agent. And they're like, "We want to be on the market tomorrow," <laughs> right. and that's great. But what we just last talked about with, you, you could be risking you know, a, a significant amount of equity here, 16 to, uh, to 18%, it was 16.98, so it's really 17. Mm-hmm. You could be risking that amount of money going off market or going on your own if you don't have the right launch plan mm-hmm. where there's excitement being built, you're engaging all the realtors. You know, that, that's something that taking two to three weeks to schedule to get your home on the market in advance, get a staging team in like we have at our team, mm-hmm. get the right photos and video done, Take time writing up the, the the description, getting room dimensions, which no way I've seen still very few agents put the room dimensions in. And mm-hmm. I've got an interesting case study about that I'll share in a second. Those sort of steps to prep. So maybe you want to wait until after Labor Day, but you've done all the prep work and mm-hmm. literally Labor Day, Tuesday, you're on the market, or that week you're on the market, or maybe you go on the market before the holiday weekend, because a lot of schools are going back in session, and people tend to travel less on Labor Day than Memorial Day and Fourth of July, Mm -hmm. you you might catch lightning in a bottle. So my my whole thing here is, and we talked a lot about prep work here Mm -hmm. on this show, is you got to be prepping as a seller, you got to be prepping as a buyer, and you got to have someone giving you the right advice on the other side, and who's taking their business seriously in the month of August, instead of going down the shore and you know drinking orange crushes and margaritas all day and 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 you know not not you know coming in the office maybe two three days a week so and unfortunately this happens in real estate every year but this is this is Mm -hmm. business owners too i mean Mm -hmm. everyone tends to back off in august and if you're going to take time off like make it a good week or make it a good 10 days and then get back into momentum so when things do return to normal like they do every september especially in the northeast Mm -hmm. you're not Trying to get your momentum and your mojo back because momentum right. takes so much time to gain, yes, and you can lose it very quickly.
1: Isn't that the truth? I mean, a, a
0: couple bad weeks can take you right off your game, and and that's just because your because your mindset's not in it. Mm-hmm. So you got someone that's struggling with their mindset now, Stacy, and this could go for a client or for a uh, or for an agent. I mean, what advice are you given them? Mm.
1: Oh, well, you sit down and write down your goals. What you know, you have to get your mindset right. So how do you do that? Why, what's your motivation? What are your goals? Where, where are you trying to get to? Is it um, you just want a little bit more, you know, personal freedom a couple years later in life? Do you want to be debt free? Are you trying to, um, you know, pay buy a new car? What is your goal? And then from there, you have to map and plan a course of action. Because like you said, if you don't have a plan in place, you, you really don't know what direction you're going. So, how do you know how many people you have to talk to every day? How, do, how many appointments do you have to go on? How many people do you have to come in contact? Uh, I think it's really important you have to know those numbers so that you have a clear direction. So, mindset is all about knowing where you want to go and how you're going to get there, and it is about being positive.
0: Well, I, you once you're negative, I mean, you already gave up. Once you yep. have that negative self-talk, I mean, when you yep. start changing your your, your 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 the the words you you use, like I. I should have done that or I would have done that Instead, I will, right? right I mean, just does. make it, yeah. Defi- yeah, I, I do right. too. You know, I feel about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there, there's words I've removed from my vocabulary because mm-hmm. it, it, it's damaging. So yes. I agree with that. And I, and consumers should be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and the case study I'll share with you about prepping, and, and it's funny you say this because I look at, you know, um, you know my, my most recent home purchase, with my wife, she didn't even see the home, number one. Mm-hmm. Like she had, we couldn't go look at it. She didn't see it we did a drive by that was fine on top of it. They had a floor plan done of the property because the pictures were horrible and the floor plan, it it was totally different. So that extra prep work that the agent took there and did those things that got someone to buy it without seeing it. So if you're a buyer out there, this happens. And I I, I think you need to, instead of think, well, it's always been done that you look in person. Mm -hmm. 2020 never happened before. 2021 is the year of the pivot, right? That's the word of the year. So at least in my view. So if you're pivoting, you got to pivot your search. And for a seller, I'd be doing the same thing, over prepping, making sure those digital assets are there. You have the right thing so that someone can buy it virtually because people just they they, they want they value their time more and you know, they they're 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 in a space where they're they're okay buying homes in this way. I mean, this is and this never happened before. That shouldn't say never it happened rarely. Um I mean, I'm talking about I can remember one time before 2020 Or someone bought a home sight unseen that i can think of other than that and that's now this isn't a vacation market either this is the greater philadelphia area so Mm -hmm. knowing that this happens now you've got to write down your goals this goes for everybody agents and consumers have a clear path know what you need to do to achieve them and part of that might be being flexible and adjusting Mm -hmm. how you think you need to do things to what's going to work for you in the marketplace virtual tours video tours those sort of things and if you do that, you're going to be able to have a successful August and continue the momentum because there's going to be more homes hitting the market in the, in, in the fall. I mean, it happens every year, but if you're already mentally out and then you see that home and you're like, Oh, maybe we should go look at it. You're not in, you're not in the search. Right. And the biggest pain point right now is certainly buyers. And then the same thing goes for the sellers that got to find a home to buy. Uh or, you know, if you're a seller, just be flexible and say, you know what? If I, I don't know what I want to see, I'm willing to go somewhere temporarily. I mean, mm-hmm. th- these, this is the pivots that people need to make mm-hmm. to win in the marketplace. And it goes for everybody here. So what I'm hearing is you're not taking off in August. Although you did go away for the weekend last weekend. Two days. Yeah, two days. Yeah. Big, took big, two days. Yeah, big time off there for Stacey. So <laughs> I also took off two days. But again, it's over the weekend. So what? And any any parting advice here for the month of August? We got about a minute uh, and, and a half left, two minutes here. Anything else? Agents should be thinking about anything you saw from this sort of mindset or anything consumers should be thinking about right now.
1: I think that August is a prime time to take advantage of the so-called downtime for agents. um, It's great. There's so much opportunity for your buyers out there on the market. Um, There's, you know, look for houses that have been on the market seven to 10 days. And you're right, Tom, about the inspection contingencies. Uh I got a buyer's under contract at asking price with full inspections. I mean, what in this market? Unheard so, of 3 unheard months of. ago. So there is opportunity. So, you know, you got to look for the opportunity. It's out there. Um just because it's August, you know, doesn't change much. You have to continue and continue to drive. Uh for sellers, yes, please do get in t- if you're if you're planning to hit the market in September. Definitely start talking to agents now. You definitely want to prepare. Um, There is a lot involved. You need a couple of weeks at least to get the best launch for your home, uh, for your home sale, to get the best results because you don't want to leave any money on the table. So interview the agents, um, get your prep work done at home, and uh, that way you'll be ready to hit the market at the beginning of September, which is prime time. And like Tom said already, you know, that weekend... Labor Day weekend could be when your home sells.
0: Especially if the kids are back in school. So yep. and for the agents out there, get your head straight and get with the right people. They're going to level you up. That's the yes. best advice I have, My no mind. matter what that is. So on that note, that's it for Tool Time Radio this week. Another great show. Thank you to Nick. Thanks to Brett. Thanks to the whole team here. Uh, if you want to follow us, Stacy is on Instagram at the number two, Mitch Co, Two Mitchko. I am at TomTool3RD, at TomTool3rd. You can follow our team on Facebook at Tom Tool Sales Group or watch the live stream on YouTube. And that's what we got this week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.